0: This meeting is being recorded.
1: Good morning, everybody. Uh, This is Gary Moyer. I'm the technical chair for the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics, Los Angeles, Las Vegas section. And this morning we have a presentation by Scott Kidney of ATA Engineering, who's a applications engineer for the product. And uh, Scott Speibolt will introduce us uh, Scott is involved in the uh, sales and, and presentation of the uh, software, and uh, we're going to let them take it from here. We'll come back later for Q&A, and uh, we're looking forward to an interesting presentation on the uh, deployment of uh, panels and, and devices
2: in on spacecraft. Okay, Scott, it's yours. Very good. Thank you, Gary. This is Scott Tebow from ATA Engineering, and I am going to give a quick uh, overview of who ATA is before turning over the podium, if you will, to our uh, technical presenter today, Scott Kidney. Today's presentation is on system simulation for deployable space systems and is based on a piece of software published by Siemens Digital Industry Software called AIMSIM, A-M-E-S-I-M. AIMSIM is a systems modeling tool and I'm gonna give a brief introduction to the AIMSIM tool itself while Scott is going to go into more depth and actually do some live simulations in AIMSIM of aerospace related systems, including deployable space systems. So, who is ATA Engineering? Uh, ATA Engineering is an employee-owned small business with a full-time staff of almost 200. Uh, We are comprised mostly of degreed engineers, a great number of AIAA uh, members amongst our staff. uh, And many of them have been recognized as subject matter experts by AIAA, uh, SAE, and other professional societies. Our forte really is providing high-value engineering services to help our customers solve the toughest product design challenges. Our principal markets are aerospace and defense, including uh, air-breathing transportation, uh, but also launch vehicles, satellites, deployable space systems, space stations, and other related equipment. Also robotics and controls. I'm proud to say that uh, ATA Engineering has over 55,000 engineering hours into the Mars Rover project uh, under a contract we had with JPL. Uh, We also work in the areas of industrial and mining equipment and themed entertainment. Uh, There's a surprising amount of engineering that goes into roller coasters, themed uh, rides, animatronic figures, and that sort of thing that we all enjoy. We provide our services from offices across the United States. Our headquarters and principal office is in San Diego, California, but we also have offices in Los Angeles, in the Bay Area, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Denver, Colorado, Huntsville, Alabama, and Herndon, Virginia, outside Washington, D.C. Our principal services are design, analysis, and testing. And we are, in fact, the largest independent. Uh, provider of ground vibration testing services in the country. AT Engineering is also a Siemens Platinum level solution partner, and we provide a full range of services for Nastran design, simulation, and engineering products, including Amesim, which is also sold under the brand Simcenter One D, but NX, Nastran, VMAP, Star CCM Plus, Simcenter Three D, Teamcenter, and a great number of other products as well. As a value-added reseller, we provide uh, licensing and support for all of these products. We are also a principal provider for Siemens training. And in fact, the uh, tutorials and training materials for Nastran, the principal Siemens FEA solver, are actually written and maintained by ATA Engineering. And if you sign up for a Nastran class with Siemens, you will discover that it's in northern virginia or albuquerque new mexico or denver colorado or los angeles or in san diego because those are where our offices are located and you will find yourself being taught by an instructor from ata engineering if you want more information about the aimsim product or any of the other products that we sell and support you can visit us at the uh, at our website at the link shown here there's a wealth of information there, not just about the software itself, but white papers, uh, tips, tricks, macros, and other resources useful to an engineer. So now let's get into what is SimCenter 1D AIM-SIM. AIM-SIM is a tool that is used for 1D analysis. Uh, it is kind of a, a Lego building block uh, method for putting together complex mechatronic systems it can model all kinds of systems electrical hydraulic pneumatic mechanical all combined together in one and unlike higher level 3d simulation tools aim runs typically in a few seconds even for very complicated systems so it is used very widely in the automotive industry and in the aerospace industry and in the marine industry for modeling complex systems. It can manage things like fuel economy and energy management, structural integrity and durability. So you're actually determining whether or not your machine will operate safely. Operability and efficiency, noise and vibration, uh, a great deal others all within one uh, simple, well, I shouldn't say simple, one very comprehensive tool. So the uh, AimSim tool is used for pre-design studies. It is a particular strength for helping you to do what-if analysis and trade studies on systems for which you don't have all the information. You don't have a full 3D model for your deployable space structure. You have a general idea for the area of solar panels that you need to deploy, the weight of those panels, that sort of thing, but you don't have all the details. AIM-SIM is a wonderful way of drawing a box around your variables and doing sensitivity studies to determine the most likely configuration for your system that's gonna lead to success. So it's used for system sizing and integration, performance balancing, particularly trade studies to make sure that you uh, have an an optimum approach uh, balancing out all the different design uh, criteria. Validating control systems, and connecting in a system model, all of the different individual pieces that make up a complex system. These could be hydraulics, pneumatics, thermal, electrical, mechanical signals, et cetera, all within a single model. AIMSIM is available with up to 48 libraries of pre-built models. And each of these models is not just a, you know, a hand waving, you know, spring dash pot sort of thing. They are uh, carefully validated models with literature to back them up. They're based on semi-empirical methods or closed analytical solutions that allow you to use the models with confidence as long as you use them within the, the range for which they've been validated. Altogether, there are over 6,500 different multiphysics models that can be used within aim and Scott Kidney will be talking about quite a few of them today. So I will like at this point to turn things over to Scott Kidney, who will take over the presentation and begin giving us a few more details about AIMSEM. Now, while Scott is doing that, allow me to say that if anybody has any questions, by all means, write them down. We will have a Q&A session at the end, and Scott Kidney and I are perfectly willing to stay as long as necessary to answer your questions.
0: Mm-hmm. So Scott, I'll, I'll need uh, you to stop sharing and then I'll be able to share my screen. Okay. So there we go. Perfect. righty. you should be able to see my screen now. Yes. We can. Excellent. <clears throat> so starting on in on... Um, our presentation today with AIMSIM and deployable structures. I kind of see deployable structures uh, in two camps, and I'm going to cover the first one. Uh, the first one here, which is if you do have an existing design with spaceflight heritage, and you need to modify it for a new mission or a new purpose or a new bus that your company is developing, uh, I do realize, you know. And, and, and this is true in industry, you know, heritage is key on anything like deployable structures, et cetera. And you may have a lot of models, a lot of analysis, a lot of, uh, information already that was done to model this particular, uh, deployable structure, but you know, how can you move forward with all that information without starting from a score one and, and modify it uh, for your new mission. So, what Aimsim allows you to do is to tap into all that existing modeling that's already been done. And as you uh, move forward, you have a couple different um, ways you can you can work with that existing information to evolve it into what you need to do to support your your new requirements. And unlike you know. A couple simulation, uh, Simcenter Amesim uses coal simulation to solve equations, and and it'll also work through the Simcenter 3D motion state equations separately. So, it, it's working together with other Simcenter, you know, 3D motion kinematic solution products, which is, you know, of course, you know, the complete Siemens solution to working through something like this, but. At the same time, Siemens and the software is written with the understanding that there's a lot of people in the industry that do use uh, Atoms for their kinematic solver and AIMSIM can tie together with Atoms in a variety of different ways as far as uh, either through co-simulation with uh, AIMSIM and Atoms or uh, model exchange between the two uh, software elements. So you can uh, take the existing information, modify it for your new mission, and then move forward. you know and I understand you know you're close to heritage and you're keeping it as as tight you know with the same modeling. you're introducing some new analysis software, but you know you're 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 evolving you know uh, a good design and 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 bringing it forward to be able to apply it for. Uh, new missions, new purposes, new buses, etc. The the other option of course are you know if if you want to start with the clean sheet approach and you're either at a satellite startup or you have a completely new idea and you want to start you know, almost from a napkin sketch of here's your idea. How do we start with nothing and move forward and use AIMSIM to uh, to start, you know, working through uh, kind of a requirement space or, you know, requirements don't almost exist at this point. You know, you're just trying to see what can you do, what can, what's possible. Um, and AIMSIM fills, I, I would say, you know, one of the best, you know, Jumping off points, you know, from a napkin sketch moving forward uh, into software where you don't have to, you know, necessarily, you know, go through all the work to get like a 3D model and then do kinematic analysis and then electrical analysis, etc. cetera. Um, you can simply use one product, Siemens Amesim, and start from the basics, uh, right, you know, what you had dreamt up from a napkin sketch and start moving it forward before you actually then move into uh, some of the more, uh, you know, specific software packages to bring your design forward. So this is where we're going to switch over to AIMSIM specifically f- moving forward, say from a napkin sketch. Uh, let me shut this down and switch over. righty. so here we have Uh, uh, SimCenter, AIMSIM, there's really three, or I'm sorry, I should say, actually, what we're going to be working with majority is uh, four different areas. We have four tabs at the top, which control uh, which point in the simulation you are in. You kind of, you start with generally sketch. Sketch allows you to work with a clean white space here, and then drag and drop components onto the white space for for, uh, modeling. You do that by using a number of different libraries that are available through the software. And you can see there's, you know, anything from signal control, hydraulics, thermal, pneumatics, uh, two-phase flow, air conditioning, uh, gas mixture, turbines, powertrain, 2D, 3D mechanical, electromechanical, and so on, aircraft, aerospace systems, etc. So, using the library and understanding what you want to do, uh, each of these libraries has a number of different components built into it that you just simply then drag and drop onto your uh, onto your workspace. As far as how do you want to hook um, items up? As far as um, building the system you want. As far as you know, I just built a small tank here with six different ports and then a temperature sensor, how you know fixed to onto it. That's how fast it goes. Um, so for the uh, solar array, what we're doing working with today is just a solar array with uh, three panels. Each of these panels is, is modeled at each of these locations here. And then at the uh, connection between each of the panels and also back to say the satellite or satellite bus, uh, you there's a, a, a pivot joint here that is given uh, it has some inertia and then given some torque essentially to to uh, model the change in position. Uh, so once you, you're through, um, I guess I've gone through you know sketching and modeling here, uh, next next up would be uh, assigning submodels. So there's, not only, you know, within each library and the components, there's also within each component there are sometimes one or multiple submodels, depending on what level of modeling detail you want to capture. Um, meaning, do you want to bring in pressure effects? Do you want to consider thermal effects? Do you want to consider, you know, many different aspects that some of these, uh, you know, components may have associated with them. And with that, uh, you know, I can click on any one of these, uh, and and it'll tell me as far as you know which which submodel's been already af- already defined, uh, and then it brings up also a uh, window here, external variables. So this is just not you know, of course, not a you know, pretty picture in a schematic. This is you know a a, a true representation of what's the component and then what are the kind of the inputs and outputs to it and i'm trying to open up this window here so you guys can see um you know as far as absolute so so through this component you know it's it's feeding through absolute positions absolute velocities accelerations torques forces you know a number of different items are being you know calculated through this particular component uh, as part of the simulation Uh, Third tab, so this is the third step in the solution um, process, are setting any parameters. Uh, This would be a step where you would set up uh, initial absolute positions, uh, inertias, any initial velocities. So this is your boundary conditions, just typing in uh, information as far as where, say, panel three would start the analysis and, and, and go from there. Uh, Each of these, so each of these models have, um, you know, their own associated parameters. So let's say the joint has a stiffness associated with it and damping. uh, So inertia, uh, you know, set up in the, in the coupler or in the rotational, uh, in the rotation for the joint. So, so this is where you can parameterize your model, set it up specifically for what you're trying to model. And then once those are all set up and ready to go, uh, you can move into simulation. Simulation first also, it, it goes through a, a compilation check first, where it looks at the model you built, sees if there's any errors or if it has any outstanding issues that may require attention. And for this particular system, uh, all my run stuff is over on the other screen, but it runs, it runs just that fast. It went through, you know, let me see, go through it one more time. Starts at zero, to hundred percent, and it's done. And then from what you can do from there is check on any of these components and see what was done. So, so for instance, here panel one, um, the position of point one, which is right right by the satellite, it didn't change, but the position at point two you know, did change it. It folded out, this is a, a 12 inch panel and it folded out away from the satellite to its full extension of tw- of 12 inches. Took in this particular analysis, uh, about, you know, about a second, second 1.1 seconds. I can't really see what that is. So I'm gonna, yeah, right here we are. So I can put on, you know, I'm at 11.9, 11.99 after 1.16 seconds. It's just that easy to um, create plots of what's going on. Panel 2, so it's point 0.1 was at 12 inches following that, but then, I'm sorry, point 0.1 was following um, point 0.2 on panel 1. Panel two point two is out at 24 inches. So you can kind of see where... It went through the animation and how its position changed throughout time. Same thing for panel three. I'm going to just clear this, start with a new new, new graph, whereas its its connection to panel two made it out to 24 inches and then uh, at the end point way out here it's at 36 inches absolute position. Uh, and you can go through and say, okay, so number of things you can get from an analysis such as this is, you know, as far as the time it took to open up, uh, you know, and, and of course these are all pieces of feedback that are calculated through, through the analysis, uh, your velocities, uh, spring torques, uh, you know, it, it's it's already calculating because it is time based, you know, any kind of transient that might be. Uh, in the joint due to uh, opening up or or to that motion or hitting a stop, etc. And uh, uh, the other thing I just wanted to see was, I think it was, yeah, just output torque. Output torques are constant. uh, Signals are constant. So all, all the information that you could just, you know, find out about panel extension through just a real simple model. So. So moving on, uh, one thing you know, this is a solar panel that we're working with. Wanted to also just show, you know, on this panel, uh, you know, there's of course an array of of solar cells, and you know, so you know, you know, there's a lot of information as far as, you know, how much energy is being developed, you know, what models are present in the software. So we're going to back up again to the sketch phase once more, one more time where just a simple model was created, you know, certain submodels were chosen on these particular components. I believe they're quite simple. Uh, you know, not a lot of specific, you know, different types of submodels are, are related, but the parameter section is quite significant. And uh, right here, we do have uh, for the solar cell, uh, a gallium arsenide uh, solar cell being modeled. And what you know makes this a gallium side uh solar cell is a specific energy gap uh at zero k value here and then the energy gap uh fitting parameter a and b so these are specific to that type of solar cell so any if you do have you know a, of course a different chemistry for your solar cells you could go in this is a generic you know uh, solar cell, uh, you know, like, library component, you can adjust it, you know, based off of what your uh, specific chemistry is for your solar cell that you're using, and then enter it, enter the specific values, you know, either if you're making it or you're being, having it purchased, you know, enter your specific values for that particular cell, and then this, this particular analysis is set up uh, such that once once you do have the parameters, it, this is set up to look at how do the various parameters how can they change by sweeping uh, certain values through uh, a set of val- a set of uh, of values such as temperature, uh, you know diode saturation current, etc. And looking at these parameters, we you know sweeping others through a certain range of values. Those are all done by you know just setting up design studies that you know you can see with all the parameters we just discussed how some are held constant for a set of three analyses, but then you know such as this constant value, uh, I believe this is temperature, you know is swept for that design study, and then what's what happens next is it's held constant while another one of these parameters is swept, so it allows you to do a quick design study uh just by simply you know naming you know naming defining parameters then working with uh defining a study as far as how values are swept again we're gonna run the solution and easy you would use you would kind of suspect uh you know it's gonna be doing 18 different analyses but because of this is a 1D system relatively simple this goes relatively fast And as this finishes up here, I'm just going to pull up a couple plots that have been predefined here so that you can see them. And this is an example of, uh, you know, on a solar array, the temperature effect on cell performance, uh, you know, and, and how does, you know, you know, as temperature increases, the semiconductor band gap shrinks, it causes an open circuit voltage to decrease. And this kind of, you know, shows the effects of the solar cell with respect to temperature. And then there's other, you know, uh, things that, you know, were done as part of this design study, as far as irradiance, you know, this expresses the radiant flux received uh, by a surface, per unit area. So you can see how that changes with respect to, you know, different settings in on the various parameters. So you can, you know, almost, you know, take this model compared to literature on the solar cells you've uh, selected and make sure it's behaving correctly uh, once you go into modeling. Uh, so just, you know, quick, it, this is excellent for, you know, building up you know different iterations on parameters and seeing you know how do different things such as temperature pressure, etc affect the, the performance of the various components in your system. So moving on, uh, next thing would be, you know I have uh, you know I have a, a solar array, I have it extended, I have solar cells on it, they're getting, you know, this much uh, solar energy. What one could do then is uh, plug that information into an overall system model of a satellite. And what's great about this is you're not just talking about uh, just the solar cells or the solar arrays, but you know how is that uh, supporting the energy. Being delivered by the battery with its regulator, uh, and then you know, of course, the various electrical loads on the satellite—you know, be it you know, mechanisms, propulsion systems, communication systems, etc.—and you could take uh, the information that you have from your cell and your solar array, plumb it into a diagram such as this. I'm just going to run it. And again, this is something that, you know, it's library components with a lot of information and a lot of physics built into them that, you know, model very closely what you would typically select from catalogs. And you could see, um, say maybe solar irradiance as you're going through, you know, particular orbits or, you know, uh, and how it's dropping off, uh, you know, at different areas of the orbit, and then you know a power analysis. I'll bring that over here too. You know, as far as what's being provided by solar arrays, batteries, and you can see the battery fill as your solar arrays are power is dropping off, you know, throughout an orbit, and then uh, total dissipated what power is given by the yellow line. And you can see how all these systems work together, uh, you know, for the modeling uh, using the software. Okay, so one thing I wanted to add, and I'm just going to go back to the PowerPoint before I go on to the next topic. But, uh, you know, not only specifically on the solar panels, you know, the software also has the ability to, you know, pull in mode shapes. And we're we're talking about kinematics and just, uh, you know, specific positions of panels, et cetera. But you also have the ability to, you know, incorporate dynamics and pull in the dynamic uh, information from any of your, finite element analysis solver. So if you do get to that point of modeling the system, you like the panel design, you like the panel size, you run that through FEA, you get the modes, you bring it back and you can put that information into AIMSIM and have, you know, not only, uh, you know, transients say due to hinges hitting stops or whatever, while a solar ray is opening up, but also the dynamics of the system and how that may affect positions and uh, joint loading. The the other thing too is you can go one step further. Instead of uh, a two D type analysis, you could also go into three D. And there is uh, an assistant that would allow you to, uh, you know, set up a three D model, three D joints uh, with the motorized joints, etc. So that maybe you're not doing a solar array, but per say perhaps an arm. Uh, it does have all the modeling information built into the software to handle uh, arms, different joints, degree of freedom, inertia, et etc uh, that would be necessary for um, for that particular type of analysis. And of course, you could set up uh, an animation that allows you to see how this is moving in real time. Okay, so, now switching gears a little bit, and we realize, uh, you know, the needs of the audience, and I, had, I guess the audience has different needs. It's just not space flight. <clears throat> There's a lot of people interested in in aircraft and quadcopters and uh, other types of flying machines, but wanted to show how AIMSIM would also work with respect to say, a quadcopter design, so, you know, you, you, you can kind of see how uh, you just, you don't have to worry about, I mean, it, doesn't just focus on one area of a system, and that's what's best at. It, it, it focuses on many different aspects as far as batteries, uh, motors, propellers, what's your lift, how does this behave? Flight dynamics, et cetera. It'll model everything. And that's where it really is, is, is struck, and that's what it's really strong at. So, we wanted to go through a, just a quick intro to a quadcopter exercise uh, with the software, just to kind of show what's going on. Uh, this is kind of state chart driven. Um, I, once again, as far as you, ha- you have a, uh, a particular environment that you're flying in, a particular mission. And then you have control loops for all the various uh, rotors on the quadcopter. And then you have the quadcopter model and the aircraft model on this right-hand side. So that you do have the control, the mission and the control feeding into each of the uh, four motors and the four propellers fed by a battery uh, that feeds into what are the flight dynamics of this particular system for a particular mission. And uh, you guessed it, there's an animation built into here. So the, the movie i will show you the animation of how this flies and performs throughout the category. But you can see a number of different areas being touched here. Once again, uh, you know, we, we looked at mechanical systems, you know, with the solar array, but now we have batteries, motors, uh, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, batteries and motors uh, and mechanical, which we saw in, you know, uh, solar arrays deployable arms, but then also now propellers, uh, which you could see in, you know, any number of aeronautical systems. So I'm gonna start first, you know, back this up to sketch. Uh, so, and I think I wanna go at B in parameters here. Just take a look at this. Um, you're not, this is, a lot of these have uh, additional um, uh, settings too, so they're, they're just not, uh, you know, filling, going down a chart and filling out information. They do have uh, additional uh, uh, interfaces that pop up and allow you to either import geometry or uh, additional, you know, add additional information as far as um, you know specific airfoils uh, or or pitch information with respect to the blade design. Say on this particular propeller. Uh, There's also information on specific interfaces for. Let's take a look at this. Uh, So this is using a McCormick propeller performance maps specific for, you know, a certain geometry uh, of the propeller. So, so it's it's not just, you know, you're not just strictly relegated to just entering table values. There's a lot of nice user. Uh, there's a lot of nice information here that you can enter, and th- you can see too. This is, this is probably not where you would start. You know, j- just from a napkin sketch. There's a very layered approach to sim that you can start with very, very simple models, uh, and and the solar cell model is a great example of that, where you could you can just understand how the various effects of temperature, et cetera, affect your solar cell. And then you can build it up to a much more complicated model, such as you know, having specific propeller geometry built into, say, a quadcopter analysis or demonstration. So again, uh, we have four motors uh, running quadcopter. And that's this particular analysis. I'm going to run the simulation here. So just like that, I have all the information as far as, you know, what torque is going into each of these uh, propellers for the given mission profile, Um, you know, I have speed, you know, what's the controlled speed, what's happening, and again, Plotting is just as simple as dragging and dropping onto uh, this white this white space here, and of course measure current, you know, and this is for one particular uh, one particular propeller, so you can take a look at you know amps drawn, etc. for this for this quadcopter. So I'm going to go into you know you can take a look at some of these uh, predefined plots that. So somebody went through and and made, of course, these plots. And you can save them. And then if you do further analysis or further refinement, you can just recall them. And you don't have to you know, have just simple plots that you're looking at all the time. You can have these saved saved plots and then recall them. And they're going to just have updated information on it so that you can see how for a given uh, input as far as the XYZ directions, how does the quadcopter respond? You know what what overshoot does it have, et cetera, as it goes through the different flight uh, profiles. And then taking a look also at roll angle, uh, pitch angle, et cetera, to achieve some of these. Also, of course, like I said, you know it's not just talking about you know you're not just tracking flight dynamics. You're tracking a number of things with this with this uh, quadcopter as far as you know, what's the state of charge of your battery potential, uh, you know, what's the voltage drop throughout the whole flight sequence, measured current, etc. So it's capturing and running through, uh, you know, as, as a quadcopter does its uh, motions. Looking again, 3D visualization. This one does have an animation associated with it, which I probably didn't break it. Try this one more time. I may have really broken it this time. Cool. So let me uh, just keep going here. But I can see if I can get this back here. <laughs> let me see if I have something up. So how about this? I am going to let this uh, figure out itself what's going on. And what I'm going to do is go back to the slides. And if I do get this to work, I'll show the animation and see what's going on. But. As far as the slides are concerned, let's see. Everybody can see my screen, I hope. Yeah, awesome. So I, I just wanted to kind of wrap up here a little bit for myself, Scott Thibault. Uh As far as uh, all the content information for for Scott and ATA, of course, are is built into. Uh, is shown here and then just kind of move into question and answers. And I'm gonna to try to get this animation up and going here while we we move into question and answers and, and go from there. So
2: hey Scott, could you let me take over for a minute? Just stop sharing while you try absolutely.
0: to absolutely. Pick... Yep.
2: And I need to make sure I'm on the right page. Yep, I am. On... So I just did want to mention, since uh, Scott has to fix a couple of things and we have the opportunity, um, that ATA Engineering is hiring. We are proud to hire AIAA student members and, uh, of course, regular AIAA members as well. Uh, We have both uh, full-time professional positions available and also co-op and internship programs that you can learn about here. Um, Just to save some of the students some time, uh, no offense to non-U.S. students, but because we are a uh, a defense contractor for the United States, we are only able to hire U.S. persons. So you must be a U.S. citizen or current green card holder to be hired. Uh, If anybody has any questions about these things, there will be contacts on these web pages um, that will be happy to answer your questions. Um, So, Scott, uh, if there's no objection. I think we could launch into the QA. I've already started uh answering some of these live. Um, and so I'll start with those while you're working on your system, but do mm-hmm. chime in sure. uh, uh, if I you know get too far off into the weeds. I, I try to keep my egregious lies to a minimum. So that. that the first question is, can we use Simcenter to simulate complex systems, i.e. not just one mechatronic structure, but various systems working together? And the follow-up was to be more specific. My question is, can we use Simcenter, or sim in this case, to simulate as com- something as complex as an extraterrestrial habitat? Has anything ever been done in this capacity and can sim support such systems? So my answer uh, that I put into the chat, which Scott could uh, elaborate on is that there is no limit to the complexity of the systems you can model, as long as you can come up with all of the inputs required. In fact, even if the models, uh, you know, pre-built models don't exist for what you wanna model, let's say biological systems are a good example. We have no biological systems that I'm aware of modeled in AIMSIM. So if you wanted to model a hydro a hydroponics plant that's turning carbon dioxide into, back into oxygen, or something like that, you could create a model for it and then tie it into AIMSIM for everything else, for the electrical system, the solar panels, the pumps that pump the water, the filters that filter the water, uh, et cetera. So you could, if you had a proper model, um, you know, predict the oxygen level in the habitat, the number of, I don't know, potatoes or carrots, you know, you're able to grow over a span of time uh, as long as you have the, the models for the biological systems that you tie into uh, AIMSIM. Uh, how you tie external models into AIMSIM is extremely varied. There's lots of different ways to do it. Uh, it does have a functional mock-up interface. Um, so if you have a piece of software that supports FMU, uh, let's say, uh, oh, uh, MATLAB Simulink, for example, um, you could tie your MATLAB Simulink model into AIMSIM using the FMU. Uh, you can also tie in models with Excel, Python, or JavaScript, et cetera. And all of these models can be tied into the existing modules within AIMSIM. So I might have a system that's comprised of a fluid system with pumps and valves and, and uh, pipe runs and elbows and all those sorts of things. Uh, also tied into an electrical system for the electrical motor that's driving the pump. There might be a battery system with a battery cooling uh, system associated with it and solar panels to power the batteries, a control system that ties around the whole thing. All of these things can be modeled simultaneously. And in fact, the product is designed to model them simultaneously. Um, And let's see. uh, just another follow up on the same question. I think I answered already. If you add biological systems in with, say, the functional mock up interface, uh, can they be modeled to interact with the existing models? And yes, that's true. They can be modeled to interact um, bidirectionally. So, your external model for, I don't know, oxygen release per whatever, you know, in your hydroponics garden and potatoes per hour or, you know, whatever, all of those things can be uh inputs or outputs to the to the system did you have anything to uh to expand on that uh scott before i move to the next one
0: no i thought that was answered very well
2: okay so the next question um hold on is uh does this model simulate the dynamic xyz positions of points on the panels and i'm going to let you answer that one
0: yes and it i it right now it's set up to to you know, uh, you know, I'll put just really at the hints positions and it's more of a kin- kinematic type analysis uh, for for this particular uh, <clears throat> I guess, demonstration, but I believe you can actually look at uh, other points if that is your um, if that's your desire. The other thing too is the software allows you to write equations. Uh, and 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 based off of those equations are the, the the equations can involve constants, and some of the parameter values, and also some of the result values that are part of the overall system, and it'll update update those equations as the as your model is solved. So, uh, you know, it, it, what I'm trying to get at too is you're you're not just Uh, you're not just looking at the results due to the system you modeled. You can actually write your own equations and get your own output uh, with equations based off of the uh, solution parameters or your your definition parameters. So there's there's a lot of information that you can calculate yourself too and, and pull off of these models.
2: Terrific. So let me see if we have any other questions from the chat before we open it up live um, to the folks who are in the library. Um, let's see. I am not seeing any, so we are available for additional questions. And uh, just before we go to the questions, Scott, can you see my screen with the, with the URLs for the- for Yes. The, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have the like green box around my screen, so I wasn't sure it was. No. Sure. Yeah.
0: No, so looks we're, good.
2: We're, we're ready to take additional questions in the chat. Uh, oh wait a second! I think there are <laughs> there are open questions. I I overlooked something. Uh,
3: uh, okay, Rob, well, so it was mine. Um, have you guys modeled any vanilla space habitat? Um, what I mean by vanilla is like five or seven components, and having that as a as a baseline to start from.
2: So. That we have um, we've been modeling somewhat smaller systems that might be part of a habitat like the solar panels that we were talking about today. Um, but there's no reason it can't be. We could certainly check with, uh, you know with Siemens to see if they've done anything more uh, you know, kind of like a, a pre-built vanilla model for a space station. To be perfectly honest with you, they're really not the, the models are not complicated to build once you understand how AIMSIM works. It really is kind of a Lego building block sort of thing. The, the thing is that the it's great that it runs 1D and it runs really fast, but it does rely on you to have some understanding of the systems that you're modeling. Um, you, you know You can't just throw a bunch of Lego blocks together because each of those Lego blocks have specific inputs and outputs, what we call parameters. So each of them are gonna have parameters and you've got to know those inputs or at least a range of inputs for those or your you know your model won't be very accurate if you do know what the parameters are and what the range of those you know make sure the range of your parameters falls within the, the range of validity for the particular model that you've selected, the results that you get out of AIMSIM can be quite startlingly accurate uh, because the models are very well validated but uh, it can be you know, actually putting the building blocks together isn't difficult, but when you look at the the array of parameters that you need for each model, it can be a, a little bit intimidating. Um, and you might end up in a situation, well, gee, I don't know what the outlet pressure should be, you know, yeah, so maybe you construct your model in such a way that the outlet pressure becomes an output uh, rather than an input. And then you look at a range of other parameters and what are the resulting outlet pressures, that sort of thing.
3: <laughs> okay. Do we have any other
2: questions live? I do have some more in the chat that I will get to, um, but just to sort of mix it up a little bit, do we have any uh, questions from the audience? Any questions? I have a question. I, I don't know if I'm going to be um, asking it well,
0: but I when, I, when I'm looking at um, you, Putting together these models and taking the different um, component
2: components and putting them together, I'm I'm wondering where do you get the um, baseline for that information? Like for all the different parts that you're putting together to make a satellite, do you get that from um, do you get that from like computations, or do you get that from like parts that have been built in the past that you're that you're that you that you've tested, tested, and are you even putting that information into your models? If that makes any sense?
0: Yeah. So, I, I think there's there's two different uh, sources for that information. One, uh, Siemens has done a great job of looking at industry and building in as much information as they do have. Uh, into, into each of these components. But then, you know, like you saw on um, the solar array model, you know, there is gonna be some information that maybe is part of, uh, you know, heritage or what your employer's previously done that you need to enter, you know, as far as torque values, friction, friction values, a uh, damping, etc. cetera, that, uh, you, you know, maybe a, a a good starting point but it could also be one of those things that um, you know i noticed on the solar array that you know i wanted to adjust some of these parameters to have like you know specific opening times for the array etc so i i almost think too that you know if you're starting with a napkin sketch and you want to proceed you know it's it's kind of like. You're the you can generate these parameters and enter it into the model and see how does the system perform. And then that's your jumping off point to go into you know further CAD design, finite element design, uh, flow design, etc. So it you know, still look at this as you know, you're starting with an idea, you're jumping into the software, you're defining that idea, and then you're starting, you know, from that point to do. Uh, some of your CAD design, your FEA design, etc. So it's, th- that's how I probably would answer that question.
3: Okay,
2: I've got, a, I've got a question. Okay, go ahead. Can you do like, you guys talked about being able to do like different parameters uh, like uh, simulating like different pressures and temperatures and stuff. Can you do like overall weather? Like if I want to put my airplane into a hurricane I just have run a weather simulator on the thing to see all the different types of things.
0: Y- yes to a point, I still think you know, it wouldn't have the <laughs> the chaotic winds per se of a of a hurricane, but I believe you can put in headwinds and and different environments etc that you you want to simulate uh, you know, the flight into. So, you know, crosswinds, et cetera, I think are all valid.
2: It's a matter of, you know, look at AIMSIM as a way of studying the response of a system to certain inputs, right? And if you give it a random input, you're going to get a random response. There's no question about it. And, you know, the value of that response might be very questionable. Um, However, that being said, I have myself seen AIMSIM used to model uh, flight path for an electric, uh, UAV. And, you know, it's got to take off. It has a certain amount of weight. Um, it has a certain drag, which has been calculated with an external program and fed into AIMSIM as a model. It needs to take off to a certain altitude and fly against, you know, certain winds from certain directions. And so if you think about it that way, you could say, well, how, how strong a wind can my, you know, aircraft fly against and still have enough battery capacity to safely land when it reaches that it reaches its destination. Or you could give it a wind profile and say, "Well, we have you know the wind is changeable from time to time." And I saw another model of a boat, a ship, actually. Um, people wanted to know how much fuel they needed to load on the ship because it moved between uh, two different. European ports. And there were a number of ports of call along the way where it could buy additional fuel if it needed it, but they were really expensive. So like the the, the ports that were selling fuel along this, uh, this path were outrageously expensive. So they never wanted to buy more fuel than they absolutely needed from those very expensive ports. They wanted to fuel up at the beginning and refuel at the end, but not buy a lot of fuel in the middle. And so people literally looked at weather patterns and uh, and wave patterns and uh, current patterns for the path that this coasting vessel would have to take. And then the vessel itself had a model for the power plant and the propulsion system, the fuel loadout. Obviously, as you consume fuel, the ship becomes lighter and behaves differently. And they literally like modeled the the path of this ship as it sailed from one port to the other, a, a, you know, a model that in the in the real world probably took several days or, or weeks. And they were able to come up with a model that showed that under dur- during certain seasons of the year with known, you know, currents and 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 typical weather patterns that um, you should start your vessel with, uh, if it's loaded out with so many tons of cargo you should start with this much fuel and you will end with that much fuel. Um, and if you do have to stop in the middle, you should buy so many tons and no more because it's too expensive. This was all done in AIMSIM with some tie-in to the star CCM plus CFD code for the hydrodynamics of the vessel. And um, some uh, the the weather uh, information was boiled down to, uh, to seasonal models. So that's a, an example. What you might do—it's not exactly the same thing as putting your, uh, you know, putting your vessel through a, a hurricane. Um, but if you could characterize the hurricane to the to the proper degree, you could certainly study the response of the Amesim model to the hurricane and whether it was likely to survive or not. Smart bet it probably okay. is.
1: Okay, this is Gary Moyer, the the AWA moderator again, and uh, one I'd like to do two things. First is uh for each of the people who speaks up and and uh, has a question please introduce your name and at, at least some level of information about uh, what the purpose of the question is uh, and then secondly with regards to this latter part of that question issue um, i think that what we're saying here is that in order to make sense out of an analysis, you obviously have to have a strategy. And here we have a series of pinpoint answers, uh, specific cases. And uh, you need to uh, strategize yourself uh, your analysis so that you uh, are able to, to either, uh, in the case of what we've primarily been talking about, in order to, to see the the out the final results of an analysis, you need to to uh, to think through what the what the sequence of events in the in the in the uh, situation you're modeling may be, or in the case of an optimization analysis, you need to think of some kind of a carpet plot that will enable you to find the peaks and valleys or saddles uh, and uh, and find a way to uh, uh, you know, to seek out those peaks or valleys, whatever your, your goal is. So uh, that's sort of a question. It's sort of a request. And uh, I'm going to turn it back over to the presenters. And uh, you can respond to that or follow
2: on. So I, I'd like to get back to a couple of the questions answered in the chat while sure. our, our folks in the audience are thinking about their next question so that we don't, they don't pile up too much. Uh, this, this next question is by Rashid Jain. And uh, it says, in the model, <clears throat> can the user set input and output parameters they are interested in, as in the case of systems working together, or is that something preset? So each of the models, the 6,500 models that are available in AIMSIM, have existing input and output parameters. So in practice, you would pick one you know, a valve, an elbow, an electronic actuator, a generator, a battery, you would pick one um, that had uh, as close as possible the set of input and output parameters that you want. Uh, If it doesn't exist, you can still create an external model of your own. Um, But I'm going to bounce it over to Scott for, for further information with this question. Scott, how easy is it to take an existing model that's in AIMSIM, let's say uh, an electric motor, and modify that model to suit my needs? Um, is, would I invalidate it? Would it be worthless once I start messing around with it in that way? Or are there cases where it could be useful to start with one of the existing models instead of building something entirely from scratch?
0: Sure. So th- there is a number of components that Siemens has kind of recognized that you're likely not to recreate the wheel. You're likely to go to a vendor who specializes in the, in the, in the fabrication production and, you know, test of, uh, you know, a motor per se, and then allow you to bring that in the house. And what did, what they do on the components and you kind of caught, it you kind of saw it on the propeller for the quadcopter, you know, it allows you, they, they allow you to, uh, Take a, a component such as that propeller, and then through further uh, user interface picks, allow you that allow you to define it exactly to what you're buying and implementing in your system. So, off the top of my head, um, are you know, of course, motors, batteries, uh, and um, just let my mind uh, pumps. Uh, you know, I do have that ability to further define and match exactly what you may be purchasing and implementing in your system. The the other thing too, is the software works kind of like, um, almost like if you want to be a a test and troubleshooter type person, and you want to throw a gauge into your system and measure, um, what's exactly happening at this point in the system, as far as say pressure or current flow or, uh, any number of things, uh, it, it has all those uh, pieces of information available to you that you just uh, split a line, put in a, a, a flow meter of some type and and see what's going on um, between components if, if you need additional information.
2: Terrific, thank you, Scott. Hmm? Uh, the next question should be pretty quick and then I'll turn it back over to the audience for live questions. Uh, just a quick question, does the software platform produce graphical animations? Uh, the short answer is, yes, it does. The longer answer is, you need to be a little bit careful. This is not a finite element program. It is not a CAD program like a Solid Edge or NX or SolidWorks or Tier or whatnot. Um, it is not an FEA program. So the animations that we produce and show in AIMSIM are intended to illustrate to the viewer the operation of the system. You know, So let me give you an example here if I go back to my slideshow, you'll saw, you probably saw this slide of an excavator, um, you know, digging. Uh, and, and so this is in aim this 3D animation is right here. Back to the beginning. It is here within AIM-SIM. But what the picture is doing, and this cat almost certainly came from a CAD system like Solid Edge or, or NX, um, the cad came in to AIM-SIM, but the the cad is being used for this visualization the motion of the bucket the you know forces and torques on the on the pins the motor energy required all of those are are aimsim type parameters but uh the visualization itself is more of an output intended to illustrate a point how does the the excavator dig under certain conditions. Um, so as long as you understand that, the visualization in AIM-SIM is quite strong. Do you want to illuminate on that in, in any way, Scott?
0: Yeah, could Could you uh, just stop screen share and then this is a perfect way to me to jump in. and, me, uh, and
2: my uh, my controls here They've been okay. hidden. There they are. Awesome. Uh stop. No. Okay, here we go. Yeah. All
0: right. Uh, sure. Loading. Hey. Uh, Scott, just a minute. Is anybody driving a Toyota? Corolla. 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 Here? The the car? No problem.
1: Okay. Yeah. No. Thank
0: you. No problem. Go ahead. It's a parking issue. Oh, okay. No problem. So, so just to kind of. Uh, I, I needed to just restart the software and then resolve, and and things are working good once again. But this is the quadcopter once again, and this is what this is is this is a, a just a simple CAD model dragged into uh, an environment. And what you can do is based off of your analysis or the 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 information that's generated by the the solution, you can you can allow that to uh, set different animation, uh, values, uh, for this particular scene. So, uh, as I, as I run animation, this is what's happening through the analysis. You can see the flight, uh, dynamics, uh, or the flight program, uh, that was specified for the quadcopter, you know, it was raised up to a certain position, and now it's going to go through kind of a, a left and right movement, uh, as, as far as the, uh, flight regimes is going through, a couple repositionings, and then you can kind of see some bounce uh, as it goes through, uh, like a position and hold type uh, maneuver, and go on. So very simple animations, but you still can see an animation on a scene, and what's happening, uh, and and what are your responses. So again, you're seeing a lot more information, perhaps, uh, in an animation than, say, uh, a graph of what's the position of the quadcopter as it's doing manu- its maneuvers. Uh, it's a lot of information. Um, you know, again, you know, pictures worth a thousand words sometimes. So, uh, and uh, we already discussed, you know, battery positioning. The the other thing too, what you have available to you, um, you can set up uh, a flight instrument or flight in- instrumentation type uh, scene here. And and just I'm going to play this for the particular animation, but you can kind of see in just a graphical uh, display here uh, as far as uh, you know what's the speed of your various propellers, uh, your battery voltage, et cetera. And then of course as it goes through the flight maneuvers, what do the flight instruments look like as far as the compass, attitude indicator, uh, vertical? I think this I believe this is vertical speed. Uh, Altitudes, etc. is is digital. So, you know, there's just a number of different ways you can uh, show what's happening, you know, with the system that you're that you're showing and everything like that. So through plots, animations, and and this is called a dashboard here. So I'm going to stop this and stop sharing and toss it back over to you, Scott T.
2: Just make sure I'm on the right slide again. So do we have any more live questions? um, Before I get back to the ones that are in the chat.
0: Uh, Gary, I saw Rashi. uh,
1: Raise hand. Oh, okay.
3: Um, can you guys hear me?
1: Yes.
0: yes.
3: Okay. So my name is Rashi. Thank you for answering my questions. I'm a PhD student here in um, School of Aeronautics and Astronautical Engineering at Purdue, and kind of like what my research is related to is simulating extraterrestrial space habitats and seeing uh, if uh, with the how they behave, how they functionally behave, what how the health of the habitat changes with respect to disruptions. And so, kind of like my question was, uh is our disruptions something that can be modeled into the software? For example, say you have like a pipeline and we, we have an external model for how the pipeline, uh, like a disruption model for like the aging and the wear and tear of the pipeline over like years. And uh, is that something, like if we do have like a model for that, is that something that can be modeled into uh, the software?
2: certainly it can um the one of the things about aimsim models is that they are uh they're dynamic they are not steady state models in general they are uh time accurate models um and so like an a, a example that i think about is let's say you have a habitat and it's a self-healing uh habitat a space habitat and uh it's designed so that if a piece of debris were to, you know, penetrate the the hull, it might lose a certain amount of atmosphere before being resealed. Just for example, mm-hmm. and you want to know how long does it take for the environmental systems of the space station to react to the loss of atmosphere and rebalance the pressure within the the uh, environment. Um, after the penetration is uh, is healed over, uh, that sort of thing would be a, a great uh, simulation for for AIMSEN. It, You know, you would give it the the uh, instantaneous loss of pressure, um, how much atmosphere you believe is being spilled out through the hole over a period of time, and then it gets sealed off. So you'd have this pressure loss and then a pressure restoration as the environmental systems correct. That sort of thing could be ex- extended to any other aspect of a a space habitat as well. Um, So the systems respond not just to steady input, but to variable input and uh, disturbances, uh, pressure spikes, uh, you know, a wind gust hits your drone, all of those things can be modeled.
3: And uh, in terms of like simulation, is there like a timeline that we're limited by? So for example, like let's say, uh, i have like a robotic um uh, robotic structure then um are we like limited to the simulation time periods of like one minute one hour or can we uh simulate for example like one month or two months of habitat or say 10 years
2: Year years could be challenging but uh, i'll give you an example that's of a model that scott built for me for a customer it's a it's a cooler case. Think about a case holding beer, right? And uh, so glass door, it loses heat through the glass door. Um, it has a certain amount of cooling going on. The product is loaded into the back of the cooler uh, at a certain temperature. So let's say room temperature needs to be cooled down to 42 degrees or whatever they've decided uh, it should be. And the so the case starts out at a steady state. And what the customer wants to understand is how does the system behave as it's used throughout the day? So a customer walks in and opens the door. All the cold air spills out. I don't know if you've ever seen CFD of this, but it's really quite interesting. The cold air being heavier than than hot, it it spills out of the cooler, and the customer reaches in and grabs a you know a six pack or whatever, and then he lets the door slam. And there's a certain amount of cycle that that goes through. Uh, you have a certain amount of cold air that's been lost, and you have uh, you know cold product being removed and possibly, you know, warm product replacing it. And over the course of the day, the the customer knows for a certain particular store or whatnot, they know how many times that door is being opened and closed uh, in a day and how often it's opened and closed and what times of the day uh, are very busy. Um, What time does the fella arrive with the truck with more beer on it to reload the beer you know in the back of the case that's been removed by the customers during the day and all of that and you would think that this would be darn near impossible to model but it is actually possible to model that over a, a span of a month um you know the beer being removed the warm beer being put in door being open closed and you know assess what the energy usage is required to keep the product at the proper temperature under these different variables Now, you start, you know, the the purpose of a model like this is, okay, now let me start messing with the variables. I'm going to put a quick close mechanism on the door so it shuts twice as fast as it did before without taking off any customer's fingers. Or I'm going to create a policy that we only put new beer in the cooler at these times of day. We don't just open it up and start shoving beer in there anytime we want because, you know, it, it, the system is more efficient if we do it this other way. Those sorts of things can be done o- over a fairly long time scale. Um, the reason that they're possible to do is that the transient that occurs when the customer opens the the door and takes a beer is, is relatively short. And occurs only a few times during the day, right? So these sorts of things, uh, systems of that can, kind can be modeled. Something that takes years it's conceivable; it can be modeled. Uh, what do you say about that, Scott?
0: Yeah, I, the the other thing I keep coming back to are you know we've also spoke to that one customer about greenhouses and modeling modeling that. I, I I still think you know both off of the cooler example and and for example, say you know there was information or discussion about you know fouling of. Uh, very various heat exchangers, etc. how would that performance be down the road? I, I still think it's, um, you know, that type of analysis can be done. You're just, what you kind of want to do is have an analysis that hits, it, it, get, it gets to a steady state relatively fast. And then you do have like a slow degradation in performance of various uh, modules uh, within your habitat. So it, it, as long as you don't have, you know, 10 years of complete transients that are happening that are kind of uh, you know really causing a lot of oscillation in the in the results. Um, you, you can stretch out uh, you know as analysis you know much longer. The, the other thing you might have to tweak too is you know what of course is um, you, you know how what's your frequency in analysis or data, data being written to disk? to once you, once you look at your longer analysis times. Uh, just because, you know, a lot of these analysis you're taking a look at are, you know, uh, hundreds of a second, thousands of a second, and you've tried to do that for a long, long period of time, you, you just fill up disks. So I think, you know, and I'm going back to say, you know, this, this greenhouse analysis we're discussing, uh, you know, I think that simulation was over a year because they wanted to see you know, what was, you know, what was happening with respect to temperature, moisture levels, humidity, um, and even down, you know, to, you know, what was, you know, how was the soil behaving, how were, you know, how much energy was being absorbed by the plants uh, for an entire growth cycle of a year. So, it, you know, stuff like this, these longer term analyses are, aren't are out of the question. It's just a matter of... Uh, like like somebody as yourself who really have that need, it's it's definitely possible.
2: It's sort of like what Gary was saying before about you know you have to have an approach, you have to have a plan, uh, you have to know what it is you're trying to learn and what it is you you have for inputs. Let me get back to some something. Of
1: the something to be said about that also is that uh, most of us here seem to be analysts, and uh, you know the, there's also a world of tests and. Uh, and in a world of, uh, of customers' performance observations. And so, like in the case of the beer uh, ch- ice chest, uh, there's a long history of uh, these things being used, and, and uh, most people just feed it power and feed it beer and uh, don't know the, the upshot of what, a, what the vari- variables are. But you're talking about selecting a set of, of variables and trying to to achieve a certain result. So that strategy is the uh, is the overall effect or the overall goal of the analysis, and uh, and and we we really need to keep an eye on that because. Each of those conflict processes is really quite complex. He was talking about the uh, the CFD analysis of the uh, of the airflow in, out of the out of the ice chest. Yeah, that that takes a specialist and a little bit of work to do. Uh, I mean, I could do that, but my finite element analysis might be. Uh, Orders of magnitude off without my knowledge, without a, in, unless I tie it, to, tie it to a test.
2: So carry on. Yeah, very interesting. I, I myself mm-hmm. is that customer that makes the beer coolers, and you would not believe the amount of testing that they do. They've got these environmentally controlled rooms with with coolers in them. They're actually loaded with wooden blocks. They're not loaded with beer, um, but um, they have automatic door openers and closers that open and close the doors according to the type of patterns they believe that a person would, you know, would do. Um, They're loaded with thermocouples and uh, flow meters and all kinds of stuff. And they do this because they really had no other choice. There really wasn't a a, a method that could model that sort of thing with any sort of fidelity before. uh, We are running a little short of time. So let me get back to our chat questions so that those questions don't get ignored. Um, The next question is by Ahmad Hassan, who asks what manufacturing variables can add to the systems? Is it possible to model various material characteristics of prop components, for example, or a manufacturing method if structural components? Well, ultimately, you know, aim is gonna care about more physical uh, parameters. So it's gonna care about stiffness, it's gonna care about mass. Uh, it's going to care about moment of inertia uh, and those sorts of things. So if the material characteristics that you're talking about affect those things, like using a, a lightweight composite crop instead of, you know, a, a heavier style, um, you know, those sorts of things could be fed into the things that uh, the, the submodels, if you will, that will that say feed a quadcopter model. So they can be incorporated. They can be a, accounted for, but not down to the level of detail of like, well, will this prop crack or or not? Um, you will certainly be able to get cycle information out of AIMSIM. you know, how many uh, cumulative rotations did this prop make or uh, that sort of thing that could be fed into a durability model, but you're not gonna get the durability directly out of it. Um, did you have anything to add to that, Scott?
0: No, I, I like that a lot. And it's, I think there's certain areas of it too, Certain areas of the software, too, that are maybe better at others than others that, um, you know, materials, et cetera, you know, on the mechanical side, you know, I think you answered it, you know, perfectly. There's there's some areas in the electricity side and the electrical side, like if you wanted to size conductors and then see the temperature rising conductors, et cetera, um, it, it will provide some of that information based off of, you know, how much of the environment you can give it. So, um, it, it just, it just kind of depends on, you know, I guess what sizing information, what material information you have and, 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 and perhaps where you are within the model. So,
2: oh, and, and how, what kind of, uh, <laughs> what kind of output are you looking from the model? Yeah, you knew exactly. this <clears throat> you know, a, a low strength, um, you know, uh, fiberglass prop versus a high strength uh, carbon fiber prop. Yeah. How does that, how, you know, why why do you care? You know, well, yeah. is this, how long does it last? How much does it cost? You yeah. can actually put cost models into the and you can say, well, we're, we want to look at the cumulative cost of everything, including the materials and manufacturing and launch costs to put, a, say, a satellite into space. And... Decisions that we make about the the way we're going to power this system, or the batteries required, or battery thermal management, impact how much the satellite ends up weighing, and that has a huge impact on my on my launch costs. All of these things can be modeled. So the next question is uh, again from Rashi: Does Simcenter use physics-based models for its simulation or state-based models? What is the modeling approach used within the software? Uh, well, I know the bulk of what AIMSIM does are, are physics-based models, um, but does it have a state modeling capability at all, Scott?
0: Yes, it does have state uh, space modeling, and then I believe a lot of the analysis is built off a of bond graph theory. So, I haven't exactly peeled back the analysis and all the stages it it goes through, but ultimately, it's 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 bond graph kind of energy type modeling uh, that that happens between all the components.
2: Gotcha. So the next question is from Randall. Could you interface your program with a NASTRAN model? And the answer is certainly you can. Um, there are existing connectors between AIM-SIM and SimCenter 3D, which is used to run NASTRAN. And so if you needed, for example, to um, keep within stress limits for uh, a space structure and you needed to interactively go back and forth between AIM-SIM and SimCenter 3D and NASTRAN, to make sure that the uh, that the study took into account the stresses and strains on the on the structure, uh, that certainly can be done. There are simplified ways of doing it right within AIMSIM without tying it out to a uh, an FEA model. But assuming you have established that an FEA model is necessary, uh, it is definitely possible to tie that into AIMSIM. The next question is from Dan Carlock. Uh, how did it come about that ATA decided to coalesce on the use of Siemens Sim SimCenter products for system simulation versus competing products from Math, MathWorks, ANSYS, etc.? et cetera? Uh, the short answer to that question is we did nothing of the sort. We use all kinds of modeling products at ATA, including um, MATLAB. I uh, can't say about from uh, ANSYS, but we certainly use a lot of TASO products as well. And there's a very simple reason for it. Even though we are a Siemens reseller and, and we have a great big bushel baskets of Siemens licenses for our staff, our customers uh, often dictate the tools that we're going to use. So if the customer wants us to use oh, uh, um, ANSYS uh, FEA, then we use ANSYS FEA and we have licenses for that. If people insist on using Abacus from Dassault because they're they have certain very uh, strong non-linear capabilities in Abacus, then we use Abacus. So we use a variety of tools. Um, The big difference between AIMSIM and other, uh, well, let's say between Siemens and other uh, companies is that most companies don't have anything remotely like AIMSIM. It really is quite a unique product. We do a lot of work with with MATLAB at our company. Uh, It really is a great tool when you you know you want to uh, apply a whole bunch of equations to a, a process or process data in vast quantities remember we're a very big testing house uh, matlab can be great the the weakness of matlab when it comes to system modeling is that you pretty much have to build it all yourself if it's a very simple system that's great or if it's a complicated system and you're doing it for a phd dissertation or a, or a postdoc uh work maybe that's okay too, because you want to and you want to yourself understand all the little details. But if you want to build very complex systems quickly without becoming an expert in programming, uh, AIMSIM is a great alternative to that. And if you want to, to attach MATLAB models to AIMSIM, that can still be done as well. So AIMSIM and system modeling really is a, it's a unique capability of the Siemens suite of products. That and that Amesim can also be tied into these other products like Nastran, like Star CCM Plus for CFD, uh, or any other like uh, Simcenter 3D Motion for kinematics. Uh, it's very easy to tie Amesim into these other existing Siemens products, and it isn't impossible to tie them into other products. Certainly, you can tie uh, Amesim into uh, into MATLAB Simulink. And I'm sure that there's ways of tying it into Abacus using SimCenter 3D as a front end. There's all kinds of ways of working. But we, I don't think it would be an exaggeration to say that we have hundreds of engineering products at ATA that we use, uh, some that we use more than others. Um, I would say that you know the Siemens products for all kinds of reasons are our principal tools, but we do have a lot of other tools as well. For example, on the acoustics side of things, we use a product called Wave Six from Dassault because we found it has certain capabilities in statistical energy analysis that no other software can provide. So we're happy to use the right tool for the right product or the right uh, project, but also we end up using the tools that our customers want mm-hmm. us to use. Great answer, thank you. Okay. And I'm um, just let's see. I'm just closing out these questions. The last question in the chat is from randall which is good because we're running out of time is for the beer cooler example do you use a variable step algorithm gonna have to flip that over to you scott since you built the model (laughs) (laughs) so um the beer cooler
0: so it i i don't exactly so I'm I'm kind of hedging here. What do you mean by variable step? I, if you mean it by, from the solution engine side of things, I believe, yes, it is a variable time step solution sequence uh, as far as how the model is actually put together. I believe it is a mixture of, you know, uh, I, I'd, I'd say the thermodynamics are definitely steady state, but then you do have some transients built into that model as far as, uh, what's going on with the heating and cooling so it's 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 just a full live time transient analysis is is really what's happening there, and of course, the solver's smart enough to you know run multiple core and of course have variable time
1: stepping uh,
2: in the solution sequence so very good and um we are at the end of our time, and I'm afraid that I myself have a hard stop. Um, and, uh, and we're, and we're there. So uh, I'm going to turn things over to our hosts and uh, go from there, but I'm going, I'm afraid I'm going to have to drop off at this point in time.
0: Uh, thank you, Scott. Gary, are you there?
1: Yes, I just uh, came back on. And uh, Okay, so a video too. Uh, one question I have is, uh, has, have you presented uh, results such as this at the uh, Aerospace Launch Vehicles Space Systems uh, conferences that, that typically occur in June?
0: My response to that would be not using AIMSIM. I believe we, we typically do have... I I don't, I can't say for that specific conference, but we do have a number of different conferences that we do present uh, results and projects at. Um, I I just don't know if that that specific one is.
1: I know that ATA has made presentations there for other purposes. Sure. So in fact, uh, when I was at uh, TRW uh, and, and they acquired the Hamilton's propeller company uh, we got involved in developing a scimitar uh, propeller f- composite analysis program, sure. and uh, the the graduate student became PhD who from UCLA who was uh, uh, supporting supporting us did go to ATA and in, uh, in San Diego so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you guys have a lot of capability over the course of uh, thirty plus years. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's it's a great environment. Uh, just you know, a number of different products that a uh, number of different products, a number of great customers that we 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 are fortunate enough to support, and it's it's a very. Uh, it's, it's one of those types of jobs. You just don't know what you're going to walk in today and perhaps get to work on. So it's, it keeps you on your toes. But at the same time, just the variety keeps it a very fun job. So
1: yeah, the, that variety and uh, stretching your your fundamental engineering principles exactly. uh, is really a key, uh, key part of an interesting career. Uh, for the sake of those that are maybe watching the uh, the array of the gallery right now, uh, in the background and at the library is are are about five members of uh, a Korean uh, uh, team that that is uh, working at a at a local university. Uh, there's a professor and and several students. And I don't know if Ken would like to introduce any part of that, but uh, I think it's interesting to note the, their presence and welcome them here. You
0: don't have to say a few words? Ken? <laughs> okay. Yeah, so yeah, I, I think they they are okay.
1: They're okay. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to acknowledge their presence, and uh, it seems as though we've we've come to the end of our time. And uh, uh, looks like Scott the has already bailed out. Um, okay, the I did have a a, a question or comment about the. Uh, um, the design of experiments in the analysis, uh, particularly uh, the the methods I was involved in developing, uh, included buckling of panels and and uh, post-buckling behavior. And uh, we had some highly nonlinear fun- functions that would develop out of that, where uh, very often our solution methods would get bound up in uh, um, in, in infinite loops, increase the stress it buckles. Uh, you, uh, you don't have enough strength to support what's, what the load is. Decrease the, the load and, uh, and it becomes stable. And uh, you could bounce back and forth across that environment uh, until you, you put an artificial stop in it or ran out of time. Uh, this that doesn't seem to be a problem here, with the exception of your results are going to going to represent that kind of behavior. Any, any comment about that, Scott?
0: So, I I think you know I think those pitfalls still uh, still are there. Um, depending on you know what software you use, and and, and again, you know what the Aimsim product. Uh, specifically, and then Siemens in general, you know, this is kind of a multi-layered analysis approach to optimization and, and analysis such as that. So, so my point is, is in AIMSIM, if you do choose a parameter or a value that you sweep over uh, a range, I still think you can kind of get caught up on local maxima or local minima. And you do... Have to be as an analyst aware perhaps what's going on with the with your system, what's the what are the physics, and and identifying maybe even that you're that you're in uh you're on a local maxima or minima. But like I said, a, a layered approach though, Siemens does produce uh, an optimization product called Heads, and that particular product. Uh, when you watch it do the analysis, it's not just sweeping, it's actually, you know, taking large jumps uh, during its solution sequence uh, so that it 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 does not get caught on a local maxima or minima, or it can, it can at least identify that. And it's a far more robust sequence uh, that it uses so that it doesn't get hung up and, and everything. So, uh, so, That's that's my only thing is that um and I didn't have the time to go run through it today, but you know there's there's (laughs) uh there's there's a number of different ways to optimize with this particular software and and uh I think as a as a good analyst, you gotta recognize that your sometimes your optimization, your simple optimization may get caught up, but there are ways to get around it using different tools. So
1: very good. Okay. Um, well, I guess we could, in in the in the matter of Robert's rules of order, I guess we could have a motion to to uh, to, to uh, adjourn the meeting, and uh, <laughs> I think Dan Carlock popped his hand up with that one. <laughs> Randall, nope, that's that's my that's my mouse. <laughs> Indeed, I think that's. Uh, I'm going to toss it back over to to Ken for. For a moment and uh, is there anything else you need to do to close out the, uh, the recording or the other uh, oh, activities
0: okay. okay so let's start the recording now because the presentation is uh, finished